endogenous, so I got to uh I gotta mess with him a little bit. See if he watches the show when he's not on. Oh, you know I'm I think it'll be fun. We coordinated this out so well this week, Ray. What's that? We had the two people on the show that have uh the best glasses and the best beard. Yeah. All right. That's pretty perfect, right? We're good to go. So yeah, let's chat. What's up? How's it going? What is that back there? Is that a, like a really high high def camo? What what do you have back there? What's your key rusted on? Oh, that's like a, a little teleprompter unit that I have with a camera and lens and oh it's pretty neat. Normally in the future you'll see I'll be talking to that when I, when we do these. I'll just look through monitor and it'll be have the stream and everything on there so we can see everything. So you'll have like a teleprompter so you know what to say? No, just so I can look at you through a nicer camera. Oh, that kind that's of good. Yep. It's, easy, it's easier to see our pretty faces when uh, you have a nice camera, right? I put a lot of work into the beard, so I got to make sure it looks good, you know? No, oh, I get that, yeah. I have too. I know. It's Welcome, everybody. Impressive. How's it going? This is what we do. This is this is this is like the intro to all of our shows. If I was if if I were to be, listen to this podcast, I would probably only listen to the first like minute and a half, and then after that, it just gets boring. Mm. I understand. I don't know. It's what I do. So Why is this game so high? There. Oh, that's too low. Dang it! Now I can't see Jim's sweet message. Ah, uh, so how's your traveling going? You just got back to. Uh, just got back to Florida. What was it last last night? Uh, yesterday, uh, early afternoon. I've had a really busy uh, couple weeks. I was in South Carolina two weeks ago for three or four days on a production. Then I was in um, New York and D.C. last week in the first part of the week, shooting some more stuff, video production stuff. And then um, uh, this weekend I was in uh, Boston in I guess uh, Walden, Mass. At Amazing Billiards for the uh, for the ranking event there. So, yeah, it's been kind of kind of chaotic, but fun fun few weeks. Hey, and you got yourself a few ranking points, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm up to about eighteen hundred for for the year between uh, what I made uh, yesterday, uh, this weekend, and uh, and at Derby. Uh, so you know, right in the mix, about a couple grand shy of what I guess fifth place now. So it was a good, a good event. I had some good wins too. So it was a, I think I made it to fifth round on the winner's side before I took a loss. Um, so yeah, played, played pretty well. And um, let's see, I finished uh, seventh, eighth. I had a, I had a nine, eight win over Nick DeLeon second round, I think on the winner side or third round winner side. So first round I had a buy second round, I beat a local player nine to one. Then I played Nick, and um, it was kind of hard to tell, you know, when you could eat, when you could do these kind of things because they're, you know, moving through the bracket pretty quick. And I went and got like a big roast beef sandwich or something across the street. This nice little deli uh, called Fresco's, I think. And um, so I came in, and they called my match like right after. So I was I was in sandwich stroke at the beginning of the set. So I started off kind of slow. And Nick got some opportunities going and uh, played good to get up six to one. And then from there, I kind of like started feeling better and got settled in. And I won eight to two from there. 
you know, and I, I kind of felt like I was playing really well too. So I, I tried not to really sweat it. Just knew if I got an opportunity, I can try and make, make something happen. And my break was working really well. Um, this tournament, um, breaking really well. Uh, and I got the break going and uh, got all the way back to uh, eight, seven down, um, made it eight, eight. I think Nick had missed a, a safety and I came with a shot and ran out. And then I broke double hill and the balls opened. I mean, really beautiful for me, double hill. I had to make one kind of like, you know, touch shot with a kind of max spin on a two ball but play good speed to the middle of the table and the rest of the balls are sitting and uh, ran out and won nine, eight. So that felt good to kind of come from behind. And then um, the following morning I had to play Shane Wolford first round on the winner side, another, you know, one, one of these guys, there was like a, a bunch of guys there that are in the kind of outside of the Moscone cup stuff looking in Shane obviously travels a lot to these events and is playing great. And um, I knew I had to play well, and I, I got the break going pretty good. And he won the lag, broke and scratched, and I ran a five um, from there. So I ran out. Broke, start. Yeah, broke, made the nine on the break, and then broke and ran three uh, to go up 5-0. I think I played a safety. He kicked, gave me a shot. Um, I ran out, broke, ran out to get up 7-0. And then uh, we exchanged racks. Um, I just, you know, I, I, I kind of just had it going, you know, and, and ran out every time. It's like, it's fun when, 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 when you're in that zone, but it's not like super like dynamic pool. You just have control and you keep getting the, the opportunities and, and you run the balls, you do your work, you know? Sure. And, um, he took kind of a little bit of a tough scratch the last game where he overcut slightly a bank backwards in the side hit the point and the first thing i thought when i saw him lining up is that the speed to go up table uh on the line he was on was that the scratch was kind of big uh, especially at the speed to kind of like die on the bottom cushion um because you don't get the spin on the third rail that you think you're going to get in order to get that spin you have to play it kind of five rails so that you still have english on the third cushion to stretch you long and most pool players tend to play that kind of at speed to get to the cushion and as soon as he hit it i was like oh the scratch is going to be big here and he ended up scratching um in that corner um basically what would be the fourth rail was the corner pocket and um he just conceded the last few balls so um so i won that match nine to two uh and to his credit he he came um he came all the way back um on the one loss side and you know won a bunch of matches and stuff and, and got, I think ended up fifth, six. So, you know, he, he met, he showed a lot of resilience there, which is good. Uh, then I, I think on the, on the winter side, I played Jonas uh, and Jonas kind of did what I did to Shane to me. He had one of those sets where he had the break kind of really working and I didn't get many opportunities. Um, I had one early shot that I had like in between stroke and I, I, I missed the ball and kind of let him out and, um, he got one more opportunity after that and ran like two threes on me. Uh, so he played well. And then I came back, I had to play, um, I had to play Delgado, the other Spanish guy. And I was like, I'm not losing to both Spanish players. You know what I mean? Like, we're just not doing, we're not doing that, uh, from Spain. So, uh, Jose Alberto Delgado, I played him and I started off strong and Sam was up three zero. 
Uh, he came back and went up 4-3. I tied the match at 4. He got up to 5-4. Then it was 5-5. Five, five, and then I, I, I won the games from there. I won uh, four in a row to close him out 9-5. So that was a big win because, you know, he's probably the, you know, probably third or fourth, you know, best player in Spain. And obviously, you know, Fran Francisco and David are kind of at the top and internationally recognized. Yep. So it's good to kind of get wins against guys of that caliber. Jose uh, Alberto Delgado is a great, great player. He gets overshadowed a lot by David yeah. and Francisco, but I'm telling you what, he is, he's a great, great player. Great player and nice guy too. You know, I, I kind of, yeah, yeah. I kind of like, I like to see how people respond whenever they go through a loss, you know, whatever it is. And I kind of, it gives me an idea of how, how they are with their character, you know, and he was a perfect gentleman the whole time. So that was nice to see. Um, yeah. And then I think we moved to the final eight and uh, unfortunately I got put on the, we got put on the Rassin and the shot clock, uh, the final eight. And that Rassin was just very, very much like, like a step and a half faster than every tournament. Uh, uh, that every other tournament table there because everything else was on a Brunswick and the the cloth was a lot slicker and faster. So it was just a different set of conditions. Um, and, you know, my game relies a lot on speed control, especially for multi-rail safety stuff. So I lost a match to Lucas. Um, he got up 3-0, then it, it went 3-3. Then I brought it back to 4-4 and then he got real productive on his break. Uh, so he started getting a lot of opportunities and uh, played played good, you know, played played a good set uh, to close it out. And he had another strong showing, too. I think the best part about the event was that there was in the final eight. There was six, uh, five Americans, five Americans uh, and three Europeans. One, two, three, well, four. Sullivan Clark is uh, is from five, Australia. Six, yeah. yeah, Australia. Yep. So yeah, I, I'm so, seeing five, five, yeah. uh, five out of the top eight. Yeah, five out of the top eight were, were all Americans. Uh, Billy beat Jonas in the hot seat match, and then actually Sky, uh, and, eight out of eight out of the top twelve too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there was a lot of American representation there, which was nice to see, and a lot of guys that played played strong. You know, like played good. We'll bring, we'll bring Rob. Oh, in. there I am. Even though I can't Rob doesn't hear you guys. This is mm -hmm. see, Rob. This is why you gotta you know actually uh, partake in the chat, so we know you're gonna be here. And then we get all this stuff worked out because we know you're actually going to be in there. Yes, we can hear you. We can hear you. That's that's on your end, buddy. All right, well, we're going to let him figure that out because yeah. uh, we're going to. So, so that I, that is the big the big knock that I saw in the tournament um, is that there were there were a bunch of Brunswick's and then there was the one uh, the Rassen table and the Brunswick's were. Am I right in saying they were like normally uh, Brunswick's are like four and three quarters or the pockets generally are pretty big. And then the Rassen, I'm assuming, is four and a quarter. No, the Rassen was tighter. The Rassen was four and an eighth. Um, the four uh, and an eighth. Yeah. Wow. The the. Hey, you're back, Rob. You there? Rob, can you hear us? That's a no. So. Okay. So the 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 Brunswick's there was a couple Brunswick's that were four and a quarter I believe and then a few others are four and a half um, and you know with new cloth they feel like they play a little bigger um, you know like the Rassen was fine as far as pocket size goes it's just 
the speed of that table was was definitely a, a notch and a bit above you know the other tables and you're kind of spending the majority of your time playing on those and so if you can adapt quickly then that's an advantage um but it would have been nice just to play on like all the same tables which have been great but you know it's it's a nice table i mean it wasn't like gaffy you know um but that's just a thing you know yeah yeah that is a it is just a little bit goofy but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you outfit an entire pool room with uh, RAS and tables and you're looking at a pretty hefty price tag. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's the nature of the the some table, some tournament rooms, you know, do have all the same table. And it's kind of like, but, I mean, the tournament was ran really well. There was never really any major issues as far as like on the management side. The referees were all very cordial and respectful of the players. They answered questions. They were. Uh, of great service. They gave good racks. They were using the new matchroom uh, template rack that came out and it it was fine you know there was no weird shenanigans with it so it was nice to get some time on it and um you know you saw more packages i think this break now that the players have had a, a little bit of a, a time to get used to this cut break format um you know I, I i put together fours and threes and fives uh throughout the event a uh, bunch of guys ran a bunch of threes um, and fours, I think Skyler may, may have run a five at some point too. So there was a lot of running out going on as well. Uh, even though it was, um, break from the box with the template, um, guys were kind of figuring out what works for them and uh, a lot of quality matches, you know, there was, you know, Jesse Angle versus Max Eberle, uh, Josh Roberts versus Jonas, um, you know, lots of great play, you know, uh, quality nine ball and, um, Bo, well, the, the field was Bo, definitely stacked. Yeah, both Bo TF Powers did a good job in organizing it, and they digitally they I think they did a digital pool outfit for the whole place. So most of the matches for the entire tournament were streamed and recorded and available online, which is great. So I know there's a paywall through the digital pool stuff, but there was one stream table that was free, so that was cool. And they also had the uh, the Karam event going on simultaneously on the other side of. Uh, you know, the pool uh, section there with some nice three cushion tables that played great too. And a lot of the pool players at night were gonna, kind of going over there and, and playing some three cushion um, and kind of intermingling with the other um, guys. I know Rob loves that kind of multiple, multiple discipline uh, approach to stuff. So that He'd was- love it even more if you could actually hear us. Yeah, yeah. I messaged and I told him that I ran a seven playing Karam. Um, I was playing with a buddy of mine, Josh Teal, and then Sky and Billy and, and Wolford were playing on the next table. Oscar got into a little three-cushion match as well with uh, one of the local guys, Sulad. So there's a lot going on, you know. It's a, it's a fun little two-day weekend for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's uh, an interesting thought process. I mean, what what is your opinion on, I guess we'll we'll talk about Mike Check's uh, question there. Mm -hmm. What is your opinion on people playing till 4 a.m.? I think it's not ideal. I understand the the pro side of it is that it, there's it's less expensive for you to have to spend another day of travel, uh, you know, to get a third day in and finish at a reasonable hour. Uh, so there's a there's a cost benefit there as far as that goes. I know for me, you treat it like like a weekend regional tournament, you know, and then you get done late into Monday morning and you had to work Monday morning, bleary eyed and you know, it doesn't feel good. And you're, you know, you're jacked up on your sleep schedule for a few days. Um, 
So, you know, but you take a vacation day and an extra day of vacation to make the event. And then you have to spend an extra night at the hotel. Um, you know, it's, it is what it is, you know, for now, I think for these smaller kind of regional ranking events, it's fine. Um, I'd probably like to see cap fields maybe. So you're not going into, you know, five, six, seven, eight, eight AM type stuff, which can happen. Um, but you know the tournament ran pretty smooth, and they had enough tables to to keep up with the schedule play. And um, you know, Am ideally, I correct in saying it didn't have a it didn't have an in person Calcutta, right? They had an online auction. Yeah. Yes. All right. So and that's that, not going to be slowing stuff down. Yeah. Exactly. That that I mean, if you have if you have the in person Calcutta, forget it. You know, you need to do it the night before uh, yeah. to have a shot. Uh, you know, staying on schedule because that I'm definitely never a fan of first. that. Especially, especially at these bigger events like the Calcutta. Yeah. I, I understand the point of the Calcuttas, especially, let's say five, six, seven years ago when there wasn't a ton of money in the these events. So you're trying to add money into them any way that you can to try to give people a chance. You know, at you know making a living in pool. But I, I just at this point in time, I just don't like. I, I don't like the idea of them. Just just get them out of the game. Yeah. At least, or do them online, or do them. You know. I, mean, I like that. that's super illegal, but um, as long I as like you don't it. get caught, I guess, whatever. I like the online idea. I mean, just from a technical perspective, you get more people, you get more reach, you get people, you know, investing money in these players or whatever. And um, so from that side, it makes sense. It's elegant. It's fast. They cut it off by a certain amount of time so they can do the payouts ahead of time, which is also kind of like always like a, you know, sometimes you see these regional tour directors, you know, they'll do a Calcutta and then they take a percentage fee and then, they, you know, how much of that, you know, who knows, you know, depends on the person and their integrity, really. So it's kind of cool that it's transparent, you know, you know how much is raised, you know how much is going to get paid out and all that stuff. Like that is just not a thing in Wisconsin. I'd never realized that was a thing. Yeah. We, no, it's definitely most- a thing. It's a big thing down here in the South for sure. Florida, it's a big deal. Uh, New Orleans, it's like huge. Georgia, it's been huge. What's a standard percentage that they take out? It just depends. Some people do full payout. Some people do 10%. 10%? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. It is, especially when you get into the, you know, lots of money being. I I remember uh, in Wisconsin, our uh, our state pool tournament, um, we used to run a Calcutta on the side. Like basically it was organized by like one person. Yeah. Uh, and this one, this one person basically, uh, he's a really great player in Wisconsin, one of the best players Wisconsin has, and he would run it uh, for like three different divisions. Yeah. And from his three different divisions, Rob, I'm not answering the phone call. We're on live television. We're on live fucking podcast, dude. I'm sorry, but if you wanted, to, <laughs> you okay? Can you hear? All right, you can hear us. Yes. No, I can. Oh, great. Okay, well, this this is why we got to get this stuff taken care of before the podcast. You got to let me know if you're going to be on it or not, right? I let you know yesterday that I was, Nate, but that's okay. Skip that. I have a really good question okay. for Raymond. Go ahead. Okay. We're talking about this. All right. Well, let me let me finish on my story. Uh, yeah. And I remember, like, uh, they're doing the podcast, and uh, or, they're doing the they're doing the the Calcutta, and they they said right up front that they're going to be taking out two percent of the Calcutta as like a way of. Because basically, it, this tournament finishes on a Sunday, and yeah. they're going to have to stay there until every single one of these, uh, you know, tournaments is done, so that they can pay out the Calcutta to all the players. And our state got like just furious, like, "Who the heck are you taking out two percent of this Calcutta? Like, what are you doing? This is this is ridiculous." 
and it's 2%. And they are literally running this out of nowhere just so that we would have a Calcutta have some extra money in there. And in the grand scheme of things, I guess 2% is really not that big of a deal when you have 10% coming out. Everybody listening from the comments, we got uh, 40 people tuning in and watching. Uh, how much How much is taken out of your state if anything's taken out? Just throw a, throw a number out there, what, what uh, your state takes out. And, and to Mike Chuck's point, it is really brutal, you know, when you have to fade, you know, you're, you know, you put a lot of work in to get to the business end of the tournament. And then from that point, it's an endurance race, you know, the 10 p.m. till 4 a.m. gauntlet is rough and you got to play, you know, you're playing talented players and you're getting, you know, to get to get the and the difference between, you know, the money is, is significant, especially for for the Americans, you know, because it's. There's less separation between the top Americans and the guys coming up to gain those ranking points to qualify for the team. So, you know, third, fourth, you know, is a big, is, is nice, you know, gets you right in the mix, you know, winning gets you top three. Now, you know, Billy won an event and now he's top three in points uh, after this, um, you know, I guess this is now the third ranking event. There was a turning stone and then Derby. Then now this, so. Uh, well, Rob. we are we're doing significantly better as as far as the U.S. side of things. I think if eighteen hundred dollars with what you're at right now, I think you said you're about eighteen hundred. That yeah. would have been leading going into like August last year. Right. No, and there's more ranking events now, and that goes into um, you know that what there's two thousand dollar difference between me and fifth place. Uh, so that's like you know a fourth, or if it's another one of these events, it's like a fifth, sixth finish, you know. And uh, I'm playing right there. So I'm, I'm going to be going to most of them uh, and just kind of continue to work on my end and see what happens. I think a lot of those guys are going to be doing the same. So, Rob, you had a question? I did have a, a question, Raymond. You you made a comment uh, on Facebook uh, this last week now mm -hmm. about your uh, break queue that you had made, uh, yes. especially for uh, the racks where the nine ball is on the spot. Mm-hmm. And I was very curious about that uh, as to you said, you know, finally I got one the way I want it for this particular type of break that's there. Yeah. I really want, I would like to, uh, for you to go into more depth on exactly what about the Q-Stick you needed to have different for well, that particular type of break. And again, right? Well, so I've been working with Dominic Aragi. He built... Um, he built this cue for me here, this playing cue, which was getting a lot of attention from, you know, I mean, I was, I couldn't yeah. go, I, I couldn't go without, you know, getting like a, a referee to stop me, players to stop me, you know, different people hit, hit with the cue and he's got a ton of work put in here and it's really, you know, this cue is awesome. Yeah. Looks I, nice. This was the first tournament I played with it. I have the break cue there as well. He built me a break cue, uh, he wanted to go even heavier. It's at 20 ounce right now, but it's a 60 inch break cue and it's the way it's balanced out. It doesn't feel uh, like you're swinging a 20 inch, uh, a 20 ounce cue. But what I. How uh, is it balanced different? How? It's more, it's more a bit forward balanced. The shaft is about, I think, five ounce, uh, five and change, which is a lot heavier than most people, uh, I think, build their shafts. Okay. Um, but as a piece together, it feels ideal for these cup break formats though so that's not something that i designed um intentionally myself it's something that dominic built for me uh to try out based on his kind of like approach he wanted it to go even heavier 
but I was like, uh, I won't, I've broken with 19 ounce forever, you know? So I didn't want right. to like th change things up too much. Um, so he, he got me to 20 and change. And, um, but it feels I, like 19 ounce to you though, because of it's, the just, it's just balanced well. And, um, it, I de it definitely feels uh, heavier than my old cube, but it doesn't feel like it's a, a burden to move. And it so happens that for this break format and my stroke and my tempo and timing and delivery, it, uh, is just works great for this cup break. I, I went to New York, uh, last week, Monday, and I played a practice session with my friend Dell at society billiards and i was making no, sim? sim yeah so yeah. At, at home i was practicing making two or three balls on the break every time making the wing ball making the one on the side getting another ball going in as well um sometimes four balls sometimes five balls i mean it was really they're pouring in and i was like wow so i went, I went to society after a really long travel day i uh, woke up at 4 a.m from florida to get to new york and was shooting all day promo work and then went to society after dinner and uh, we practiced for a couple hours. We played three races to seven, and I was just raining them in from the break. I mean, uh, I ran a, a three-pack every set I played in a race to seven. Nice. So that was very encouraging and, um, you know, was really getting it dialed in. And then I went to Streetlights Billiards Academy later in the week in D.C. in the Virginia area and got some practice in there. And for the last hour that I was practicing, I was making two, three balls every break, at least every single break. And I was just kind of learning the cue and the balance and kind of tying that in with my stress. I've had the cue for a week, you know, and I, I ran up a, a five against okay. Shane, Shane Wolford. Um, Does your cue ball just go to the side rail and come back middle of the table-ish? No, I'm, I'm playing cross table speed. I'm going at least two cushions. Um, so I had to dial it down to not go to the third cushion. Um, but cause normally I play three rail speed back and forth twice to hit okay. the third long cushion and then come out to the middle. But on the, the, I saw Oscar break at one point and I saw him hit kind of like a, a little bit toned down version of that where he was only going two rails across. And I felt like it was a little bit more controlled based on the cloth that we were breaking on. And so I kind of dialed that in and, um, I just, I mean, it was, it was an onslaught from there really. So nice. it just so happens that the queue and the way it's set up uh, really fits well for that break format. How, how much of a propellant uh, emotionally do you feel it is when you are breaking better than your opponent? Obviously, if, you know, if he makes one ball every other break or something, or one here, yeah. and you're putting in two or three, that's yeah. got to be a boost to you. I, I think it's, I think it's less of a emotional thing. It's more of like a situational thing. Okay. I keeping control longer. So that kind of tends to settle you down and uh, you're dictating the, 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 the pace of play, the term of the terms of play. Yeah. And um, that's very valuable in match play nine ball now. You okay. know? So your stability in controlling yeah. the game yeah. is, is better. Right. Cause it's really about getting that early, you know, control point in, and dictating term, putting pressure on your opponent. So they're, they're, they have to respond to you as opposed to the other way around. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's really valuable, especially when you're uh, maybe less known than some of these other guys and they don't really know yeah. the, the, what your high gear or top flight version of your game looks like. And then you give it to them and they're like, well, who the hell is this guy? You know? So they're thinking about this stuff and it's like, you know, Moritz even had said something cause he had, played somebody while I was playing Shane and he was 
drilling whoever he was playing. And he's like, every time I looked over, you were you were at the table, and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, you know, because he knows Shane. Obviously, Shane's traveled and going internationally and doing all this, you know, great stuff at these tournaments. So he was like, he's like, I just kept looking over, and you were shooting, and every single time you were shooting and making balls in the rain. And Sky was playing a match over here, and he was like asking me for a break lesson after the match. He's like, I don't, you know, oh really? He's like, teach me how to break. I'm like, you break, you play great. What are you talking about? You just came from, you know, London or wherever he was at playing in. Leicester. He was in Leicester playing in the Premier League pool stuff, but you definitely play a lot better. Okay, than so you're actually. getting noticed a little bit now. Huh? Yeah, you're getting noticed a little bit. Yeah, I, I think I think this turn was good for me because I had like I was telling um, Nate I had that match where I came back against De Leon. Right, you're down yeah. six to one. You said. Yeah, I was down six one and I came back and won. Wow, so that's good just for like mental, you know. Oh stability and like you're sending a, a message and he's an American outsider as well. And then having that other match against Shane was nice. And then internationally beating a guy like Delgado who's respected and is a top guy. It's just a little bit of like, Hey, I'm here, I'm coming. And this is, you know, you'll see more, you know, how, how would you rate uh, your, I know you haven't talked too much about your jumping ability, but I see now and in, 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 with all the great players, I mean, that's a big part of the game right now, uh, especially yeah. with the cut breaks and having a little messier racks to start with and things and, and having some more moves in the game. Yeah. Uh, where would you place your ability in jumping uh, the balls? I mean, if you're going to be a top nine ball player now, you have to be able to be a competent jumper and you have to be able to land on the ball from certain positions and take on certain jump shots. So, I mean, I'm going to make the majority of the balls I jump at. Cool. Um, okay. I spend time, you know, I'll have afternoons where I just jump for a couple hours or I'll, I'll set up certain types of jump okay. shots where the, like the interfering ball is closer to the object ball I'm trying to hit. Right. So now okay. I have to, it's a different kind of tempo and accuracy. And then when the object ball is closer, the interfering ball is closer to the, to the cue ball, then, you know, it's a different kind of situation. So okay. it's just, and, and then there's jump banking. I can jump bank. I can jump kick. I can cup safe, you know, okay. I'm not, you know, I'm not Federer, I'm not uh, Atencio, and these guys who are just, you know, weaponized uh, uh, war machines with the jump cue, <laughs> you know. But if you leave me a jump shot, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the ball. I'm okay, you're more than adequate then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as far as, like, for what you'd expect, uh, I, I think I blend the kicking side a lot more than some of those guys do. Okay. And I have a lot of experience on what that that – is and how to leverage it with control. Well, you said you um, ran seven on the billiard table up there at Mazin's place, so. Right, yeah, yeah, so, and I mean, and I haven't played there three in, in a little while, but it's one shy of my high run from before. You know, I, I used to play all the time, so. Okay. But I, I love Karim and I love the game, and those tables were set up nice and playing good, so. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's adequate, you know, it's kind of like, you know, with all these guys, you gotta freeze them. You gotta freeze them to the ball. You know, people complain about the jump cue, but I think the jump cue gives you an opportunity to learn how to play better safety. Okay, there you go. A lot of safeties that people used to get away with. Don't let them jump. They're like complaining because they're like, oh, it's uh, I played a good, quote unquote, good safety, and he just jumped out of it, made the ball and ran out. I'm like, well, then guess what? Play a great you, safety. You, you didn't play a good safety. You played an average <laughs> safety. <laughs> yeah, it's not a good safety. It's a poor safety. If you're playing three cushion and you didn't touch the ball, it's not a point. No, <laughs> it is not. Right? If you come with with the backup and you don't you don't get to the ball, it's not a point. So you don't get a point <laughs> for that. So why are you why why should you get a point for playing a mediocre safety? <laughs> so, I mean, by the standards that these guys are pushing the jump cue with, oh yeah, high you know, standards. 
it's a high standard. So you have to have a higher standard for everything else, including the safe. So Efren would freeze you to the ball. You know, a lot of guys don't have that carom information, so they don't know the ball speed. They know the rail speed because they've learned get distance. They've learned, you know, get cover. Spin and speed is a combination. But but if you're playing billiards, you got to get to the rail and then to the ball. And so that's like the the separate that's the part that everybody is weak on in the pool. Okay. And so when you think of it in carom in carom terminology, it's actually poor. So yeah. Well, uh, anything else from that tournament that uh, you wanted to highlight? Of course, uh, Billy Thorpe gets the win there. So yeah, I thought he was a one pocket player. What the hell? What you know? What's up with that? All right. So he, beats, uh, he beats Sky in the finals 13 to uh, 7, wins all the way up through the tournament. Uh, beat some great players in the last. Beat Jeremy Sosi, yeah. 9 4, Moritz Newhausen, 9 6, Jonas Sota, 11 9, and then Sky Woodward, 13 to 7 in the final. So yeah. this is the first, I would say that this is, this might be the first nine ball win or anything outside of one pocket or um, mm-hmm. banks that I've ever seen him win, at least for, you know, a major event. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a few out there. I mean, yeah. And now that I say that, I think he may have won like a Music City a couple of years ago, which was back when it was a, it was a really good tournament. But Billy for the had most part, Billy had mentioned uh, that he, had gotten, he had gotten a new new GQ and he was he was in uh, Vegas and struggling, like not not winning matches or not winning tournaments and stuff. And he's like, "What the heck?" And then he finally weighed it, and it was like seventeen and change ounces. And so it's like a clear two two and a quarter ounce lighter than what he's used to. And so he added weight back into his queue and he says now he loves it. You know, now it feels kind of like, so he, he looked comfortable. He played aggressive and, you know, his style of, of nine ball for sure. And got the match uh, W. So it's good for him to kind of come back on the scene after a little bit of like a step away, you know, stagnation. So now he's in, I think third in rankings now. And then Skyler uh, lost to Jonas, I think final four winner side. So if I would have beaten Jonas, I would have had to play Skyler. And then Skyler uh, just, you know, went through on the one loss side and cleaned up to get, you know, he beat um, he beat Shane, he beat Lucas, and then he beat Moritz and Jonas to get to Billy. So, you know, not bad. And everybody by that point in the in the tournament was playing well, you know. So Skyler just did what Skyler does. He was the highest ranked player going into the tournament, I think. I don't think there was another 800. What kind of tables did you play on up there at Masson's? They had gold crown fives, I believe, and then a couple medalist tables, okay. Brunswick's as well, and then the one Rasson. And I was telling uh, Nate that the Rasson was like a step and a half faster than the Brunswick's, you oh. know, based on it, probably less play on it. So the cloth was extra slick and um, quick. Um, but it table played fine, you know, it was fast. But outside of that, you know, the pockets weren't unbearable or anything. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, then let's uh, let's jump, I guess, into this the new rankings, I guess, um, since we have have those up now. Yeah. This is obviously very early on in the season, and I guess they're not taking into account at all the international open last year. So this is this is what they have so far. Obviously, there's only one major event, which was the uh, Whirlpool Championships or uh, Whirlpool Championships. Yeah, the Whirlpool Championships, which uh, FSR you see up there at the top. Yeah, from winning that, uh, or from his place, uh, Fedor Gorse is at eighteen seven. Mario He, so that is the I guess if we were to end today, those would be the three representatives for Europe. 
not a great look for the U.S. so far. <laughs> but we got uh, Sky, Shane, and Billy on the board with Shane Wolford and Tyler Steyer right behind that. Yeah. Way too soon to really start talking about Moscone Cup stuff. But what uh, what what jumps out on you on this on this list here? Uh, two things. I think there's a somebody made a comment about the two-year rolling rankings. I, I think what's happening is that they're doing the two-year rolling rankings for world rankings, uh, at least. Yeah, that's, that's what it's for. Yeah, and so, but the qualification rankings for Moscone are within the one calendar year for yep. Europeans and for Americans. So that's kind of like, I think that is where some of the um, uh, clarification issues are with that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, these are, you'd probably say, the guys that you you would expect to be on on the list for most guys. Mario's been you know, knocking for a little while. I think it's getting harder. I kind of want to see him make the team just because of his qualification. And then that one medical issue he had is kind of a shame, you know, and I just feel like it's just going to get even harder, but he's improving. Well, that he's been, he's been like one spot out every single every year. from guaranteed year, Yeah. So he has to just qualify outright. Cause I think it's harder for him to earn a wild card than other players. Um, just because he also hasn't made a team yet. And so, you know, it's it's tough. <laughs> I was talking to Maritz. I'm like, it's it's really rough for you. You know what I mean? I feel bad for like those guys who are the European side because it's like, man, you got to beat out all these juggernauts, you know. And then for <laughs> for the U.S. side, the 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 bar for qualification is a lot lower. You just got to kind of make a certain amount of money. But it was nice to be an event like this where the business end was, you know, the majority Americans. Um, and then two guys, two U.S. guys made the finals, which is great. Nice. So. I think last year, what was it? Third place was uh, was it Oscar that got the the last spot? And he was at like uh, Skyler eight thousand. I think I think it was Skyler that got the. Uh... Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oscar got number two, and then Sky got number three, and he was at like was it like eight thousand on the year or something like that, or nine thousand? It wasn't over ten. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you had ten kilos, so you were you were on the team. So I mean, at this point in time in the season, I mean, Billy's in third place and he's got nine three. So ten thousand isn't going to do you any good this year. You're going to yeah. be looking at it. I would guess a minimum of 20, 25. Well, I mean, when you qualify on the U.S. side, winning a ranking event is, is significant, you know, even if it's one of these, you know, uh, regional ones, like I think uh, Fine won one, uh, the Balkan one this yep. weekend as well yep. on the European side. But like for the U.S., that's that's significant, you know, six to 10K first place, which is why uh, I think, you know, with the Sandcastle event last year, there was some heat about it because, you know, they wanted that full payout. Uh, based on the full field and that that had ramifications on the team if you know if what's his name if um if that was full payout greg hogue is on the team and then skyler mm -hmm. misses out a spot and um uh you have to burn a wild card pick on skyler and then maybe tyler doesn't get picked because my assumption is that they would still have picked earl um for all the reasons and um and tyler had a strong moscone you know and so then you have uh, the variable of earl and greg uh you know both you know greg would be a rookie on the moscone cup which i'd be happy for him if he made the team but you know he'd be a rookie and then there's a little bit of invol you know involatility there with with earl and how he responds to stuff because it's kind of an x factor um so that might have changed the complexion a lot of what Team USA looked like, uh, just that one event. 
So the fact that they full paid and to uh, Bo, to his credit, didn't get a full field. And so he had to come out of pocket to make up that difference uh, that he promised to pay out 30,000 and he did. So I think it was like a roughly $2,000 difference. Um, and he, he made sure that it was covered and added. So, you know, that's appreciated by the players. It, ha it hasn't been mentioned really, but you know, he did a, a stand-up thing there. Yeah. Do, Ray, do you have uh, a particular type of cue ball that you'd rather play with? I like I like all the Aramith products. I think they make the best uh, the best products uh, between you know the Aramith block sets, the Arcos balls, uh, Predator. I think Aramith makes those. They all play great. We played with the Dinospheres this weekend, the Palladium set. They played awesome. They played okay. really good. They never felt light or like I, I hated the Cyclops balls. I didn't like those at all. I thought they were they were just dumb. Oh, they were gimmicky. Yeah. Were, what just, name? What was that? I thought I always thought they played really, really gimmicky. Gimmicky. They seemed they seemed to be significantly more prone to skids uh, and holding on to chalk onto the balls. And I mean, we all we all kind of know the uh, at this point in time that they like to explode. You know, when you hit them, okay. they they would they would kind of just go. Eventually, hey, speaking of just, skids, they just weren't a very good ball. Uh, I've been playing pool for many years, and I can honestly say it wasn't. It was about twenty years ago. The first time in my life I had ever had a ball skid on me. Mm -hmm. And so for the 35, 40 years prior to that, it never, ever happened. What, what's the answer to that? I mean, and now every tournament I go to, I see it happening. Yeah. And, I and say, you've, had a, you've had it happen. This last weekend. You've had it happen plenty of times. You, know? you just didn't know, you just didn't know what to look for. I, 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 I practice that. that. Maybe. But. Yeah. I practice at home uh, a bit. Uh, and, I've been using the town chalk uh, okay. and like, like almost never get skids. Oh, significant. Um, yeah. oh, this, is the, this is the balls picking up chalk. Almost never get skids. And then I recently for like a week experimented with a more powdery based chalk, like a, I think it's triangle chalk, similar uh, in feel to like a master's, but not as messy. Um, so still pretty messy still, still i used to still, use i use that for like yeah, two and a half years yeah i love that chalk it feels great it gets on the tip great whatever but started noticing skids pop up again and so okay. you know i'm just like well i'm not gonna do that so yeah and okay. so you know you go to a pool room or you know thankfully every day the balls were polished and cleaned. i like that as well and not you'd be surprised not a, a lot of tournament directors or uh rooms don't do that okay you know, they won't repolish the balls the next day because it is work you know, to go through and polish 15 sets of balls and have them clean and wipe down the tables and all that, all that was done uh, at the start of, and I think that's more the carom kind of like care. I think the carom players are very like, they understand. Oh, yeah. Every know. game, every match. Right. And that, it's get cleaned. Tables get vacuumed, balls get polished. And Mazen is used to playing at those kind of higher level competitions where all those little things matter. Yeah. Um, so the conditions were, were taken care of and, and, and that was great. Um, so I didn't see very many skids. I didn't have any skids in match play, which is nice. But, you know, after two days of if the balls are dirty and then you go late into the mat tournament and, you know, the tables play different, balls grip different, and you have to kind of adjust and become more of like a pool player. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd i say, uh, you know, to people who are at home conditions or want to train consistently and not have it be a factor, town was the best stuff I've seen. It doesn't get all over the balls. and K I've seen people – 
even use Kamui chalk, some of the old Kamui uh, or Roku chalks. That, and it that just gets, looks like a paintball. It looks like it, it looks like a paintball. It kicks all over everything, and it's it's really a nightmare to get to get off of the cloth and stuff. And even if you vacuum the table, it's like you got to do it a couple times over. So sure, uh, sure, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's six yeah, I've never seen it, a yeah. skid in Karam so far. Five years in, I'm I haven't seen a ball skid. I haven't had one skid. Well, I have to assume because of the balls are worse in the weight of the balls too. I was going to say it has to be because the balls are so much heavier. Right? I mean, at the end yeah, of the day, like yeah. a, a skid is when the ball, you know, the cue ball, you know, you get a little bit of a chalk from your cue ball and it's that little bit of a chalk as it's rotating through connects perfectly uh, with the next ball. And it, you know, when you have a little piece of chalk, it's the same thing it's designed to do on your tip, right? I mean, when your tip hits the, the cue ball, that chalk is to create that extra friction to stop it from sliding. Well, if you have that extra little bit, of chalk on your cue ball and it hits perfectly yeah. with your object ball it's doing exactly what it's designed to do and it's designed to stick so yeah. it takes a little bit longer so they'll stick together for just a little bit of for just a you know just a fraction of a second they stick together instead of releasing and then that puts you further down on the shot line because the yeah. balls are sticking together and then they release so all of that's going to be predicated off of whatever you're connecting with it. When, when you're playing billiards, if the balls are significantly heavier, they're not significantly heavier, but they're probably what, like 50% heavier, something they're like bigger. that. They're bigger. They're heavier. They're big. I, I have a set of uh, billiard balls that I, I throw on my pool table every so often just to mess around with and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. I can go weigh them right now, let you know exactly how much. They're chunky for sure. Yeah. I would, I would guess it's probably 50% heavier. 50% uh, heavier is going to require that much more chalk to, you know, to create that stickiness. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, you're never going to see a skid with bowling balls. Cause they're just too heavy. Yeah. Right? There's just too much force going from one bowling ball to the next bowling ball. Or well, in this case, I, balls. I will have the exact weights. Yeah. Then we can tell. Perfect. <laughs> so, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the, where, where do you fall on the, the, the mic check said the the JJ and uh, uh, John Schmidt think, had that. I think I think it's a it's a little bit of assigning that whole. I didn't listen to the to the interaction myself. That wasn't I, the reason John I, lost his commentary job though. Just I think I think there was a um, I think that there are certain ball uh, ball hits that are more sensitive to throw, and throw can be exaggerated at um, speed. Uh, so you'll see the effects of throw sooner at slower speeds than you would at higher speeds. And so uh, I think it's more of a correlative than a causational assessment there. Uh, but the ultimate, you know, the ultimate, uh, you know, breaking point for a skid is, is a delayed contact, a separation between two points of contact that isn't clean. And so usually that's because there's debris at the point of contact. And so just because there happens to be uh, certain ball hits and stroke speeds that uh, are conducive to exaggerating throw, and then you happen to also uh, have a, a, a skid at that contact point and stroke speed, uh, you can correlate those things together. But um, you know, you can have a slow, super pure, clean, uh, you know, conditions and not and not get a skid at those stroke speeds and. Um, and well, the, you know, the, the, you can always hear a skid. I mean, it, it sounds different. Yeah. The click is there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a weird kind of a thud thing, you know, it's in, and, and uh, that's gotta be then those uh, particles hitting each other between the two balls, sure. the difference between clean balls, shiny balls hitting each other. And yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause that's very distinctive. Yeah. 
I mean, you don't, you barely, barely ever see any skids on matchroom stages, and that's because their conditions are near perfect. You okay. see your skid, you see your skids on, you know, really dirty conditions with, uh, you know, balls that haven't been cleaned since the 1500s, and people using Kamui Chaka Bunch or, you know, really either Master or something like that. I mean, Master is a pretty dirty chalk too. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, when your your conditions are pristine. You're not going to see a lot of skids. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no friction at those contact points. The balls are so, so, so clean. I, I, I mean, I got to fall on the. I feel like I fall on the JJ or the not the JJ side of things. The the John side of things. I just, I just don't we should, see. We should, we should petition MythBusters to do a a, a show. Yeah, that would be perfect. <laughs> hey guys, can you guys, do a show on skids and solve this debate. Like ultra high speed particle assessment. They might be interested in something like They'd that. They love that. That's super nerdy talk. Because it is nerdy. Yeah. I, 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 I feel it. like it's more like a Schrodinger's cat type of thing. You'll <laughs> never, you'll never. If you're looking for a skid, you're never going to find a skid. I just, no, I just no, feel like that. Try to skid a ball. I dare you. You're not going to do it. <laughs> the truth is, there is no spoon. The, yeah. Yeah, but anyhow, yeah, I think overall, though, uh, I really, uh, Rob, I'm not sure if you heard, but uh, super loved that there was a pool, uh, high-level pool tournament going on and a carom event going on in conjunction right next to each other. And there was a lot of overlap and kind of like uh, uh, sharing of kind of like, you know, interplay between the the two. Clayton Rocha uh, was playing in the pool tournament and played, played the carom event. As well, yes. so that was awesome. I wish I could have done. I would have done that if I could oh, have. You would have. Okay. I, I just the, my schedule last week. I, well, Craig some... Powers from Wisconsin was out there and did very well. Came in tied for third and fourth. That's awesome. So yeah, like I love the multiple the multiple disciplinary stuff, and um, a lot of the pool players when tables were being filled by tournament matches and the carom side was empty or you know the matches had solved for the day, they were overplaying on on the three cushions. Oh, they were. Yeah, so we had a lot of people. I mean, Oscar matched up with uh, Suad. They played a, ended up being a race to thirty playing caroms. Okay. Uh, Oscar got that. I think thirty to twenty-eight, and then there was a, some some doubles carom stuff going on. And then I was practicing caroms with some oh, friends. Oscar, does he have a carom uh, carom tables at his place? And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last time I was there, the heater was down, but I, I remember him posting that they got the heater element fixed because there was a conversion. Okay wattage conversion thing from a european standard to american standard they they got that sorted out but him and his dad have played carom for a long time they say there's there's no room that ernesto is going to ever be a part of that that won't have a carom table i feel like (laughs) yeah and amazing amazing was interacting quite a bit with the pool players and you know it was was fun it was fun to see so that was awesome yeah he he just uh he's a great promoter amazing of pool in general all all, all, all q sports and all and all the tables played well too like the the Brunswick's played awesome the whole tournament, and the carom tables played really nice too. Oh yeah, it, he's so, he's fairly anal about his con- pool playing conditions yeah. and the ball shape and the, you know I mean everything. He's yeah. he's up on top of that stuff. And and the Dynaspheres had uh had we used a set that had the purple four ball and the orange five ball, which I was grateful for because not that I I, I don't really care about you know. Everybody gets so caught up about the purple five ball incident with Joey and all that stuff. But right, right. More egregious to me than the purple five ball is the cotton candy blue teal uh, six ball, six, it's seven ball, 
six and seven ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, yeah. So the six ball is gray and the seven ball is teal. Well, the, the six ball is like a like an off green. It's like a no. It's gray. Is it gray? Oh, it is. And oh, the, for the dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of the cyclops. Yep, you're right. Yeah. I. That puts me on so much tilt. I was practicing with Dell. We were practicing in uh, at Society Billiards last Monday. And I can't tell you how many times subconsciously I'm watching him shoot or I'm shooting and I'm shooting because I'm playing position for the six or I'm playing position for the teal ball and then the six. And I have to like, I did it again. And I, would, I just point it out over and over again because I'm like catching myself and I have to like consciously redo it. I'm like, what the crap, man? Like, this is awful. It doesn't make sense at all. That doesn't make sense at all. Like, you should you should work towards a desaturated ball. So it should go gray, black, and then and then the nine and start over. You know, so you like like the teal would be akin to like a two ball, you know, and then the black, you know, the gray would be the six or the seven, and then the black would be the eight, and then you go back to the nine and you start over. That could be a rotation. Whoever put that damn seven ball as a teal ball deserves a flogging. <laughs> probably down the you're, you're just not doing anybody a service at all it's no. puts me on they play great they play great but you have to like unwire your brain and like re-put these things and it's unnatural it just sucks yeah it, it's wow. worse for older guys trust me <laughs> boy so i'm glad they used the palladium set and it was just you know the old standard colors purple four uh orange five and they, they again they played awesome they played as good as airmith balls that you know you're just very natural to play on. So Yeah, I love this comment here. Mastering three cushion helps tremendously in pool. There's no question about that. Well, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, I've just spent five years playing three cushion for the first time in my life. I went back to pool here about three, four months ago. Yeah. And it did help me. There's no question. <laughs> There's a shot that came up that I know uh, it was a, it's a common in three cushion across table, you know, where you just go long, long, long back and yep. forth. Yep. And I had a draw I mean, shot. I, yeah. I, I had a draw shot where I just delayed the curve with speed and I needed to get above uh, from the four to the five. And I just whapped a, it was either really touchy to pinch it, do all this other, man, just whapped it 100%. Played max speed with the draw and went long rail, long rail, and then back above the side and played for the five um, uh, in, in the uh, corner pocket. And I, I saw somebody look over like, what the heck? You know, because nobody really plays that shot, but it's such a common shot in, in Karam, you know? Right. Cross table, delayed curves, uh, withdrawal or follow. And, um, and it just, it was like, oh, this is just another, you know, another cool shot that I get to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Karen. That's our comment here. And, and I played, uh, uh, there was a, a, a Jacoby dealer from Spain, came to the Jacoby Open one year about three years ago. And uh, I asked him, hey, you want to play a little three cushion on a bar table? <laughs> he goes, what are you talking about? And I says, come on, let's just try it. What do you think? He goes, yeah, yeah. He says, you know, I'm on a league. Yeah. And he was playing pocket pool at the time. Sure. But that's very common in Europe, very common in uh, in Spain is to be. Well, they, they also have the Predator connection to Danny Sanchez and the Spanish connection to Danny Sanchez, which is great. I mean, yeah. he's, he's uh, at the apex tier of competitive carom players. I'm not sure how much uh, direct time they play together, but I know there is a relationship there. And so it's nice to see, you know, Katie having a little bit of a Karen background. Even um, uh, Delgado, I watched a little bit uh, playing some Karen. You can tell he was comfortable with the game and played some shots that you can tell aren't pool player shots. They're Karen player shots. Right. 
tell when somebody, yeah, as soon as you see somebody double the rail or something like, oh, okay, this guy has a little bit of like, there yeah. you go, they double the rail for position. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I so, could get away once in a while with that stuff, but sure, sure, sure. But it's it's nice to see, you know what I mean? Um, that kind of stuff. He played a rail first outside English stun across the table to go deep into the long cushion, tight into the bottom rail, and then up to a ball, kind of like a cross table. Uh, Max spin stun, and I was like, okay, he's got some character information. <laughs> Funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's nice. Oh, I, love I mean, I mean, if you look at the goat, Efren, Efren played exclusively caroms for like six years or something like that, and then went back to playing pool, and then it was over for everybody. You know, they oh. just it was just done. You're done forever. Just that little extra. Well, it's just a different. He's got a, a broader palate, so when he beats you, he suffocates you from around here. Whereas <laughs> when Earl beats you, he sh shoves a sword in you. Yeah. You know, really, that's how, that's what it is. You know, really? Earl, Earl's going to skewer you, and then uh, Efren's is going to like swallow you gently into the night, and you go into an abyss and you disappear <laughs> forever. And you're like, oh, I guess I'm dead now. He's going to position you to death. <laughs> oh, forget it. You're done. Back at the balls to death. Yeah, and you think you have somebody beat? Like I had a. It's ironic. Know, it's very ironic that when you're describing this, you, you, you make it seem like Efren is giving you a hug. He is giving you a hug. He's and Earl you... will not give you a hug. Isn't that, did you see? That's 40 chess now. Did you, do you understand yeah. how good of a commentator and public pundit I am? I see <laughs> what you did there. I caught on to that. This might be 5D chess. I, anyway, I, I caught on to that. There was, a, there was a position I had against DeLeon in a key game where uh, he played a safe left me up table, and I had this pretty kind of like three cushions behind the ball, uh, ticky to separate the balls and go up table. But there was a back door to make the three in the side. Um, if not, I was behind cover up table and I got, I, I made the ball on the side and got cover behind the oh. blanket of balls and got position on the floor <laughs> and ran out. So I could just see like, feel like the, just like the soul crushingness of that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, just completely, um, it just breaks people because they don't expect it, you know? And I'm just like, this is just another shot. This is like, you know, I'm like, well, I took my line and I'm like, well, I know this gets me just high at the corner pocket. And I know with three units of spin, I get past, past the, uh, the corner to the short cushion and up to the long rail. And it puts me in this nice kind of half to quarter ball range where the cue ball is coming back up table. And I just kind of saw that from the shooting perspective. I'm like, okay, here we go. See you later. And then ginned it, you know. Do and you it get acknowledgement from your opponent for for those kinds of things? Yeah, I think I think uh, like I, I played a, a match with um, uh, Ignacio uh, two U.S. Opens ago, and had some shots that came up like that, and he was like, you know, he could okay. tell, you know, he could appreciate it, and he wasn't at all. Like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Some people will will hold that back because they don't want to feed you. You know what I mean? So okay. it's kind of like sure. You're kind of, but, you know, when you're just enjoying quality pool and you're engaged in it, it's nice to appreciate those little things, you know. Oh, yeah. You can, you can say, oh, there was some, there was some knowledge in, in that shot. And then if you yeah. pick up something, it's like, oh, i got to write that down. You know what I mean? And like, like I saw a fella this weekend make a shot that I honestly, I have never seen a shot this good before. But there was a ball on the rail just past the side pocket. There was another ball just to the uh, middle of the table side of that ball, maybe an inch away from it. That ball did not go in the corner. Yeah. So I'm thinking he called the ball that was on the rail in the corner. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay, how is he going to do this? Yeah. He can't hit the rail first and knock that ball in. No. 
he followed through the ball. First ball, yeah. followed the cue ball into the the cushion for the second ball and made it in the corner. Oh wow! Yeah. I've, I've I've played a shot before. Wow. Right. It, it comes up rare, but it's like when the uh, object ball's on the long rail frozen, and you play the object ball you want to make so that it has a rolling ball by the time it hits that ball. And it kind of soft banks that ball away and rolls through the contact and goes into the corner. That's like okay, that's very similar. Yeah, you're you're in a little bit of a trap, but uh, it you know sometimes when and when it works, it's like it's like oh, that's a cool shot. Oh you know? yeah, no, he got out. He ended up with a cross corner bank, made it, and then he got shape on his last ball before the eight ball it was. I mean, yeah, it was the best finished three shots I'd ever seen. That's awesome. Cool, ever in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's cool. It's cool to watch people create and kind of come up with solutions. Yeah. You know, it's it's very neat. But I, I think to to the whole point of this conversation, it's about how do you build a, re a repertoire that's broad enough to be able to see those opportunities and then, you know, execute under pressure and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, that's what makes pool fun, right? It's like, oh, know? it was so fun. It was against our team, but I didn't care. I mean, it was really beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mike Check had asked about whether or not I played glasses. Somebody else at the tournament had asked me if I play with my glasses on and I don't. I did get a pair of the Bill Curran um, kind of like pool glasses that everybody's used. Um, but the, yeah, it covers the whole thing. But the the prescription is is it is my prescription. But the depth of field is 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 there's too much magnification, and I, I they're like fishbowly for me, and I, I can't get used to them. So I have to like dial it in with him at some point. I, I just haven't contacted him about it. But I'd love to do that because I don't wear glasses when I play, and it's an adjustment period and. I basically guess for a little while, and then I, I get dialed in, and we're fine. But over time, I'm going to have to do something. Okay, yeah. yeah. No, I found with my new eyes that because I can see, and I spent 20 years guessing yeah. and adjusting with juice on the ball and, and stroke and things to pocket balls, that I'm really having some trouble now because I can see, and I can't shoot like that anymore because yeah. they don't go in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I spent my entire career guessing. <laughs> yeah i mean sometimes, really. I, sometimes i guess right and it's fun <laughs> diet good diet helps too if you're drinking water and taking your vitamins and all that kind of stuff exercising helps get the blood flow to the capillaries and not just i i heard okay. uh, yeah I heard, okay sure I heard carrots yeah. are good for your eyes carrots are good for your eyes yep so that's always fun so yeah, so, but, yeah i don't know what do you guys think uh, nothing. I mean, the tournament was really great success. Uh, they deployed a shot clock, uh, the final eight. And I, I was just talking to Isaac Wooten from, um, digital pool. Uh, he's integrating a shot clock into the digital pool app for tournament directors. So they can, they want to in, in, include one in the tournament, then they can use it directly through digital pool. And apparently the, the qualification event next month in Virginia, the Bob Stocks Memorial, that nine ball event will be shot clock every table, the whole tournament, not just final eight. So um, uh, I think he's going to try and make it so that that shot clock training app or that widget is available on digital pool um, publicly so you can practice with it. Because I think that's something that um, would be beneficial to players who are going to target playing in events with shot clocks and aren't used to it so yeah eight versus raymond race to nine i bet i'd get to three i was gonna say three nine to three maybe wolford didn't get to three you no. did. <laughs> way to go 
No, I didn't get to. I I I didn't even get to uh, two with Jonas. He ran me over. Man, he played a good. Soto, yeah, yeah. So what's your Fargo these days? About seven thirty. Soto. No, it's seven. It's low. I think it's seven ten. But I I I feel like I I was playing playing pretty sporty uh, this week. Seven well, seven ten. My my Fargo right now is about a six eighty. So Fargo would say nine to six. Yeah, some, some, something like that. Yeah. Um, it kind of depends I mean, what we play on, too, because uh, you, you're predominantly a big table player, and unfortunately, we don't really have big tables in Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm When I went to Wisconsin last year, I, I ended up at a, a, some place, and they had, I think they had one nine foot. It's mostly all bar tables, but I, I, hear, a lot, um, I hear a lot of people say it's that almost exclusive. are all bar tables. It's like wild to me. Yeah, we don't have hardly any big tables at all. Uh, the Karam Room in Beloit, which is the best, That's right. by, yeah. by far the best pool room that Wisconsin has. Uh, well, I shouldn't say by far because Matt Apple's really good too. I heard although, yeah. although there's Matt Apple's, uh, there's something about that place that frustrates me quite a bit. Um, but I haven't been well, to both of them. My, my schedule didn't allow to go to either one. I, I, I ended up going to another room that's kind of like an older... I checked in on Facebook or something. I think you went to Romans. Yeah, I think you went to Romans. I remember the you being AC, The AC was out that night, so it felt oh, like great. I was back in Florida. I was like hot, sweaty, humid. Yeah, it's like, what's going <laughs> on? Like, here's, here's a question for you, right? Uh, yeah. So the, the reason I'm a little frustrated with the Mad Apple, um, I just don't believe that amateur pool should be played on seven and a quarter – oh, sorry, seven, four and a quarter inch pockets, and they have seven-foot diamonds with four and a quarter inch pockets. What is your thoughts on that? So pro cuts, pro cuts four and a half. These are four and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, who's their demographic that they're trying to cater to? You know, I guess that's a thing. I mean, I like, I think four and a quarter inch pockets are the ideal pocket for rotation. Uh, they're tight. At your enough. level or in general? Because just in, in general for rotation, competition rotation, four and a quarter is like the tightest that you should ever go. Uh, I probably agree that for like mid amateur levels, four and a half is probably the sweet spot for them um, where it's not, you know, slow, you know, just buckets, you know, but it's still, you know, it's, it's friendly. It's a friendlier table. Um, four and a quarter for the top guys, I think is, is where nine ball tables should be to preserve what nine ball is really kind of about. You know, I think this whole quest to get to four inches on big competitive tournaments is short sighted and is a very kind of like a European thing. Um, People have have bloviate. Oh, we should have tightened up the pockets and all sort of stuff and all the the new cloth. I'm like, you're you're I get it. But there's. Exactly. Then you're playing a you're playing snooker, which also benefits the the straightest shooters, anyways. So you get less up, upsets and you get less. But you also get less play. It changes the way you play position, the way you uh, manage the rails to pocket balls and create angles, um, and becomes certain shots kind of start being on the verge of playable that are standard in strategy and how you play and, and, and approach things in nine ball. So I think nine ball is an offensive game. And I think the best you can do is what they've done already with the nine on the spot template break box. That's all you can do. The rest of it, it's a gunfight. You know, guys are out there running racks. 
Um, you know, if you're a 700 plus player in the 800 range, you're within one inning territory when you're four or five games out from, <laughs> um, from the finish line, but you're in one inning territory and that you should embrace that. That's good. That means that like, if you watch that match, what was it Shane versus Ko Ping Chung at the, it was at the U S open international open and Shane's on the hill and he breaks and scratches and never gets back to the table. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Shane was, I don't think Shane was at the international open. So it must have been the U.S. Open. It was one of the it was one of the tournaments in Virginia. It was just like 2017, 18. Oh, all right. I thought yeah, you meant yeah. last year. No, no, no. This was like a, a few years ago. But he plays Ko Ping Chung, and is on the hill and broken, scratched. And then you just and then Ko Ping Chung ran the set out. You know, uh-huh. with, within needing five, and he got there. Wow. So like that's nine ball. You know, like you should encourage that. And I, you know, this quest for four inches, I get it. You know, it's cool. It's a tight pocket, but you know, you're still playing on new cloth. So that four is going to play suspiciously like four and an eighth or four and a quarter. And, you know, there's just a, there's just a point where that, you know, you get to the, this diminishing returns really, you know, you get seat balls that hang up, you get a lot more defense, which is good, but I think you get that anyways with the nine on the spot and the break box. And I, I don't think diamond, you know, like they want to make tables that sell. And now if you have a ton of these four, four inch pocket tables running around, you're going to have less people interested in buying those tables outside of the people that are running tournaments that are four inch pockets. So I don't know. I it's like, whatever you guys want to do, you know, it's up to you. You guys are, are captains of the ship and we'll determine the format. I'm sure. Um, but I don't think making things like snooker uh, accentuates what makes nine ball special. And, uh, I completely agree. I right. and, and I I don't I also don't think that we should be applying these. Like at the end of the day, there's a reason there are, are seven different tee boxes in golf, right? I mean, the you should not be forcing the amateurs who are 120, um, you know, golfers to be playing from the tips, right? I mean, at the end of the day, there has to be different conditions. I think for pool and and forcing. I just think four and a quarter, uh, four and a quarter pro cuts at the amateur level is just, it's yeah. just silly. And there's and a reason why straight pull, I mean, straight pull was five inch pockets forever, right? Oh, and it, how long was 526 the record? You know, yeah. I mean, you, you still got to go play a good straight pool, you know, yeah. Yeah. You just like bludgeon your way through and run, run a half century. I don't care how good you are, uh, or you know, run like half a thousand balls, you know, you can't. The, you got to learn the game and maneuver the rack and maneuver the stack and play shots that go away as soon as you start tightening up the tables and it's it's harder to run those runs, you know? So straight pull has a standard for there's pocket. No such, there's no such thing as cheating the pocket when the pockets are four inches. Yeah, you can't you can't really do there's, that. There's no of, such thing. It of eliminates game. an entire aspect of the game. Yeah, I agree. So I think four that, and a quarter that, is like the sweet spot where it's tight. You know, you guys are still fighting for the shot. You got to be honest. Like, you got to hit the ball well. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, and then people complain about, oh, well, the ball hit this diamond on, on the on the long row and still went in. But, like, they don't ever – they always they always view the diamond as, like, a, a fixed point. Like, oh, it hit here, it went in. But what's the relative in- entrance angle? Right. A glancing yeah. ball going down the rail. It's rubbing the whole rail when it's going in. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're shooting it directly into the cushion and it goes in, obviously you have a gaff table, but that's not what's happening. And there's a tolerance there at the uh, 
I've heard it explained like this by Ira Lee, where if you take the point of the bottom cushion and flip it over this imaginary rail where the long rail goes through that pocket, you flip it over, right? And then you draw a line from your object ball to that mirrored uh, point opposite that long rail. That's your tolerance from whatever reference angle to okay. make. To uh, make that's kind of cool. Looking at it like that. Object ball with a with a, a touch with like a, a pocket speed. You know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. if you're within that tolerance, sometimes if you're higher up the rail, that tolerance will be two and a half diamonds up. You know what I mean? But it's within the playability of the shot. So people are just speed. complaining speed. about something that they don't really have a deeper knowledge about. Yeah. And they're just making statements because, oh, snooker, <laughs> you know, oh, tight pockets, whatever. It's like, okay, but well, at the end, yeah. this is a table. This is what the table is offering you. If you're not taking advantage of it, that's up to you. If you don't want to. That's fine. Play with yeah, a smaller. Speed is, speed is hugely important when going down that rail, too. Oh, huge. Yeah, you can't just smash a ball down you'll, the rail. You'll, you'll, yeah. you'll never. Oh, yeah. yeah, very important. I don't care what table you're playing on. If you're two, if you're two diamonds up and you smash the ball, break speed. It's not going into any table. <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess I don't even remember where this conversation started what, from. I guess we were talking about pool halls in Wisconsin for, for uh, cross the board for pool tournaments. Uh, what's on the horizon here now, near near future? Well, we're uh, a little bit of a, a lull, right? I mean, there's not a lot going on out there right now. Well, no, there's a, there's a Bob Stock Memorial next month, which is another ranking event in the U.S. And where uh, is that? That's going to be at a, a First Break Cafe. In, um, is that Sterling. going on in Ohio right now, right? Yeah, there's the Midwest Open going on, I guess. They have a one pocket and a, a one ball, one pocket, and a nine it's ball. Like a, it's like a pool mini action. derby, right? Yeah, Pool Action TV does a lot. Like Ray will have a lot of those kind of like – uh, events they do like a one one ball one pocket they do a banks ring game they do a big entry one pocket and then a bar table they're doing a bar table nine ball uh in that event too so it'll be a lot of great high level one pocket and and bar table nine ball going on this week uh which would be dope so if you have a production tv subscription you should be able to watch um i used to have one all the time and then i just let it lapse and it's because there was a stretch where like you you know i always got the six month thing for 150 or whatever it was but then i didn't like he had like two events a month. I don't want to watch reruns. So, yeah, I just don't feel like he like he there for a stretch. And I guess I haven't talked to Ray for a while, but there for a stretch. I mean, he was doing three events a month, two events a month at the at a minimum. And now it's like he does two events every six months. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But um, as far as um, as far as nine ball goes, I think there's also the Super Billies Expo coming up. And they're doing like a multi-set short race. Are you going to that? No, I'm not going. Okay, I will be it's there. Not, it's not a ranking event, right? It was last year. I don't know if it is this year, though. It's not on the calendar for Matchroom. So, so. Probably, so probably it's not. Yeah. I know that there was some. I know that there was some discrepancies with it last year on yeah. site. So, I think also I just got a note that maybe there's a ranking event in New York in uh, September, October. They're going to do it Long Island at Racks, if I'm not mistaken. Which might be one one towards the end of the year, um, so something to look out for, I guess. We're in a little bit of a lull though in the calendar, which is probably okay. There's been a lot of stuff going on, so we can, uh, you know, get caught up with uh, some of the stuff. Yeah, and somebody had mentioned a uh, uh, Nate had commented here about um, talking about cloth and like standardizations for cloth because people complain about new slippery cloth and what's the ideal for tournament play. 
And I've had an idea for a while that I think cloth manufacturers could take where they could uh, distress the cloth uniformly, uh, repeatedly over a certain amount of time to quote unquote, break it in. Okay. And, you know, like imagine like a sheet of a uh, nine foot tablecloth, right? And there's like a press that kind of just stamps on it, let's say a hundred times. And that, let, let's say a hundred times of pressing the cloth equates to a week's worth of, of play, you know? Do now you, you can know, treat every ream of cloth that's going to go out to a tournament. Let's say it's 10, 20 reams of cloth. You can distress it, you know, a hundred times or 200 times or whatever to get that quote unquote two week feel or one week feel. You can have classes of it and then um, sell that as like, you know, gently. Have you guys heard of a guy named Dan Benicus? Mm -mm. Okay. He, he invented these pop pocket stuffers so you can put it on a night uh, a regular pocket pool table yeah 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 for three questions anyhow he is working on and has invented a cloth for any pool table that you just lay down mm -hmm. and you just push it out to the corners and then you put these little uh little edging strips underneath the rail all mm -hmm. the way around to hold it down Mm -hmm. So you never have to take or staple a cloth anymore. Mm -hmm. well, there's some little kinks in it. He's working out. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, shingles on your house. You just exactly, pull it off the old exactly. later and just stack he, a new one on. He has a prototype <laughs> and he showed it to me. He pulled it off. He says, this is what happens. And he took the feather strippings off and pulled the cloth up and we'll see. Yeah. Roll it back down and put it back down. And it's got a little type of a plastic material on the bottom side of it and regular cloth on the top side. And this really looked cool. He says there's a couple things with manufacturing. He's got to work out with this yet uh, because of some contract issues or something he has to work out. But this is this is the future. Uh, and and yep. the cloth is, I believe, it's it's not skinny when you first lay it down. It's kind of yeah. like it's almost been broke in a little bit. That's awesome. So this is oh, we'll the future see. coming up with a few people out there who are inventive and that kind of stuff well i guess with that uh we all good we all good to go um i don't know i mean pools are at a great point i think place right now and i think if you're uh an aspiring american player you should be you should you be plenty of opportunities yeah you should be practicing and working on doing what you need to do to go to go to the next level so i just wanted to say thank you again i posted about it, but Dominic Aragi made me a really beautiful cue, and I'm really enjoying uh, playing with it this past tournament. It does look really nice. <laughs> Arp, yeah, and it's the first tournament I play with it, and I, you know, uh, it's holding up. So, well, excited about well, that. I well, I don't want to take shine away from them. I do want to show... You gotta go, uh, is that where you're squirming around, Nate? No, I need to uh, I need to run an advertisement for Jacoby, and you want to talk about a beautiful cue? Check this one out.
I feel like I need to get a kimono or something to be able to like enjoy that properly. Well, I was going to say that I it's a beautiful stick, but I think the background music was a little iffy. <laughs> Shut up, Rob. I did, I did want to mention one of the show sponsors, Insight uh, Performance Coaching. Uh, Tara's picked me up as one of our sponsored players for the year. So Yeah, I saw that. Congratulations. Yeah, so I'm going to reach out to her as well and schedule uh, some sessions now that I'm back because okay. that's uh, something that I invested in last year, and I wanted to continue building on that progress. You know what I mean? Things are starting to connect. I'd like to welcome young Sam on oh, the program, right. I heard. Is Sam, huh? is, Sam, is Sam in attendance in the audience? I think he's in school right now. Oh, I see. I understand. I understand. No, he's he's homeschooled. Homeschooled? Okay. But maybe he's stuck. Whatever. I doubt it. I've met the kid. He's not very bright. Doesn't look like he ever studies. <laughs> At least let the kid get on the show before you start. Yeah, don't kick him. He's not even down yet. Well, I got I to get on him now before he gets in here and can defend himself. Oh, Same wow. Sam, and you don't. and Jim. <laughs> Sam may not have a prayer. <laughs> don't mind. Yeah. Him. Yeah. We'll be nice to him. He's a good kid. All right. Well, with that, let's close it up for the week. Thanks, uh, Ray, Rob, for joining. Everybody Thanks, for everybody, watching. for uh, Thank you very much yeah, watching and participating in the chat room. We appreciate it. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Next week? On Monday, correct? On Monday, yes. Uh, I should say that. Yeah, you're right. We are switching to Mondays in the coming future, foreseeable future. I think that's going to be a better time for the guests on the, the podcast here. So are the hosts of the podcast. So we're going to switch to Mondays coming up yeah, next week. So fun stuff. All right. See you all next good. Monday. All, all right. Bye-bye. Right.